Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome, welcome, here we are, welcome, let me turn that down a little bit, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, I'm sure you've all been waiting for it, episode 101, I guess that means the beginning of a new era, but the numbers seem kind of arbitrary, this is just the 101st week that I've done this, I'm so glad you've all been part of the ride, I'm so glad that uh, you're all still a part of the ride. What a show we have for you today. Of course, we'll have the State of Wrestling, where we'll break down everything that's going on in the world of wrestling. I want to tell you, I don't know if I've announced it on the podcast already. I might have. But I want to tell you for sure about uh, what I'll be doing at New York Comic Con, which involves Lucha Underground. And, uh, well, I'll tell you about it as the podcast goes on, but you'll be able to see me and some of the stars of Lucha Underground if you're going to New York Comic Con uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, But first, before we get to any of that, I want to get to my interview. Last week, I told you, I got to go to uh, House of Hardcore out there in Philadelphia, and it really was a great show. It was such a good time. Uh, And one of the reasons it was such a good time was because uh, I got to interview Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle, I've wanted to talk to for a little while now. Um, He's all over the place, though. He has been so busy since leaving WWE that I didn't even get him up to the studio. I went to the show, to House of Hardcore, and before the show, I was able to uh, talk to him. You can, you can, one of the reasons I like this interview is because it does a pretty good job of capturing a lot of the chaos that goes on before an indie show that's as big as House of Hardcore. This is not a rinky-dink show. This is a loaded, loaded show. Uh, we get interrupted by Matt Stryker. We get interrupted by Eddie Kingston. We get interrupted by Tommy Dreamer. I think Tommy Dreamer's the only one that actually got on mic. But just so much going on. We tried to find a little uh, corner of the old ECW arena there. And there will be video of this that goes up, so you'll be able to see it. But uh, Hornswoggle, the reason that I like him, and they, to me, my favorite wrestlers to interview are wrestling fans, right? Like the wrestlers that are still such giant fans of wrestling. Those are the people that I like to talk to best, and and that's what Hornswoggle is. He's just a giant fan of wrestling. Not the biggest man in the world, no, but maybe the biggest fan. Um, And it's an interesting thing because he got to live his dream of being a WWE superstar from a pretty young age, and now, now that that's done at least for the time being, but now that that's done, it's like, where do we go from here? What's next? And he's he's being exposed to this whole new world of wrestling. Uh, when we spoke, it was the night after he had done uh, some kind of a WLC hardcore match against Torito and had ended up, he showed me on his phone what the video looked like. He did the tadpole splash off the top rope onto a stepladder. Now, Torito had rolled off the stepladder. But the thing about, like, you see when they when they break ladders in WWE ladder matches? It's because they're so long that the centers, they give. You know what I mean? And if you really hit hard in the center, it's going to break because they're long. Now, think about something short and compact, right? Think about, like, uh, 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 I don't even know. But, but we know 
Like, think about the Incredible Hulk, right? You know how he could bend one of those big lead pipes? He probably couldn't bend a pipe that was the size of a can of soup. You know why? Because it's all compact. I'm giving you lessons in physics now. Because it's all compact. There is no give to a stepladder the way there is to a regular ladder. I'm not saying it feels good to land on a regular ladder. But what I am saying is it feels very bad to land on a stepladder. And that's what Hornswoggle did. So he was in pain. But he was he was he was in a great mood. He was joyful at what he was getting to do uh, on the Indies, which I think that's that's the point, and that's the takeaway that you get from a lot of people. It's not dissimilar to the Cody Rhodes interview from a couple of weeks ago, uh, but it was great talking to Hornswoggle. Um, great talking to him a little bit about about his kid and how he explains his wrestling career and what's going on with him right now to his kid. Um, as well as a lot of other stuff. We got into it. I got to ask some of my geek Hornswoggle fanboy questions. But here's the thing. With Hornswoggle, I didn't get to half the questions I wanted to get to. Uh, some of it because our time was limited. Some of it because of the environment and the chaos that uh, went around doing it at a wrestling show. Um, and just some of it because we got lost in other conversations. But, you know, people like to kind of take his career lightly, I feel like. And, as kind of, and kind of write it off. But... He was involved over the last however many years. He's been involved in so many major angles that it's really hard to count. You know, he was used as the go-to. If we don't know where we're going, just say it was Hornswoggle. And there he is. I should have asked him how he felt about not being involved in the Cruiserweight Classic, being that he is the longest-running Cruiserweight champion. Either way, I sat down with the man himself, with Swoggle, at House of Hardcore in Philly, and here's how the interview went. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, we're, we're here in the old bingo hall. Yes. Yes. The I, old ECW listen. arena. Yes. Have you, Hornswoggle. Yeah. You, I mean, you grew up, you're well-noted. You're one of the guys who's like a giant wrestling fan, growing up a wrestling fan. So, like, is this building especially cool? It's cool because it's the ECW arena. I was never an ECW fan. You weren't? No, like, not really, no. Um, Hawkins always yells at me. Yeah. How could you not watch it? How could you not? It just never was my thing. I was a WWF guy. Never WCW, just WWF. It's just so funny because you're like, you kind of strike me as like a punk type guy. Yeah, I'm punk rock. I love punk rock and, and all that stuff. But like ECW was the punk, punk rock of wrestling, Yeah, it's completely, right? completely punk rock. But I just, it was never, I think maybe because, I don't know, I, if, I never got pay-per-views as a kid. Like two a year, I could I would be allowed to get, um, and I never would spend the money on ECW. Right. And so, and yeah, it was yeah, because you get WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Yeah, you're not gonna get barely yeah, legal. Well, uh, Rumble. Right. I would always do Mania and Rumble, and I didn't. I lived in Wisconsin my whole life, so we didn't necessarily get ECW on television every week. Right. So it, I it was like crazy to me, and then it came on TNN, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, but not my thing. And it wasn't even. By the way, the TNN show yeah. wasn't that magic. No, no, it wasn't. But it. So I. Uh, it's cool being here. Right. Um, it's really cool being for House of Hardcore. Dreamer, I always called Tommy my, my road dad. I had really? two, two dads on the road, and, and Fit and Dreamer. And it, uh, so when, when he reached out to me and I could do these dates, it's awesome. 
So it's kind of like being in like the Sportatorium or something. Like you know, it's a historic wrestling building, but it didn't necessarily. That's actually now that you say that, that's uh, that's an exact right comparable. Right, like yeah. we were too young for the Sportatorium yeah. to actually mean yeah, anything. Yeah, and this is. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Let's face it. I'm pretty old these days. I know <laughs> of the arena, but I asked. Cause I asked Hawkins too. I go, hey, so this was ECW's one place. What was Hammerstein? He goes, that was much later. Yeah. And I go, oh, because I always think of the ECW arena as Hammerstein. He goes, no, they're completely different. Obviously, I know now. So, <laughs> and this isn't even really like this is some. I mean, you can see like the the streamers and stuff behind us, but it's like the building is really nice now. That's what, that's what all Brian said. And all it Brian and said, it wasn't awesome. before. Yeah. At all. Hi, Dad. There's your road dad right there. Hi, Dad. Tommy, when did it, when? Why did he become your road dad? Uh, we traveled together for a long time, and he he took care of me. He's the man that hired me. Um, for WWE, you mean? Yeah, for WWE. Uh, he, he made the call to me. I ignored a few of his phone calls because it was on a blocked number. <laughs> and he finally, I finally answered because I thought I was a debt collector. So I was going to answer that. <laughs> yeah. finally answered. He goes, I've been trying to call you, Dylan. I'm glad you picked up. We want to hire you. I, okay. Great. <laughs> awesome. Like, glad I did pick up. So it's, uh, but then we traveled together for a while. Um, we were just talking to Carl Anderson not too long ago, and he yeah. said, like, the moment he knew he was signed... It was when that 203 number showed up yeah, on his phone. I, I, I just listened to that. Right. I just listened to that. But it's blocked. Yeah. So you yeah. were like, I'm not. No, because I, <laughs> I thought they wanted me to actually pay my credit card debts. Right, right. <laughs> How much wrestling? Had you done a lot of indie wrestling before About WWE? About a year and a half. Um, but I was like a handful of companies. Mm-hmm. It was nothing. I, I didn't make the towns. And there's Eddie King. fully blur that. Eddie, hi, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston. You don't have to worry about that getting blurred anymore. No, I don't. No, I don't. There he is. Yeah. Eddie Kingston is staring us down yep. if we do this. Beat it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't funny, dude. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was really good. <laughs> it wasn't. It's very good to see you. He said he, he, gonna, just, he just dropped an F bomb. Yeah, I, did, I did. I um, did. Followed by kill you. Uh, it's just, it's, what was the question? How, how much indie wrestling? Oh, indie, yeah, but a year and a half, but it was only a handful of companies, and it wasn't. I don't even say I was an indie wrestler. Right, right. Like, you pretty much learned everything that you learned in WWE. WWE. Yeah. And so how did they know that you were the guy? Uh, Ken Anderson, Kennedy, trained me uh-huh. in Green Bay. Um, Is that why you started bleaching your hair? Not in Green Bay. Because <laughs> oh, you want to look yeah. like Kennedy? Yeah. Um, but he, they were looking for a, little, for a midget for fit, Finley. And he goes, I got the guy. He can take bumps. He can work. He can. He's good. He's, he'll be. He'll do great. And it was literally off to the races. And 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 what kind of like like with 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 the, with the other guys? They go in the ring and they do their thing. They do their matches. They do whatever for like the attraction that is Hornswoggle. Yeah. Like, the, what do you do for job security? Like, what do you do to make stay sure? under the radar? That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I called myself the mini version of JTG for the love. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, like I, I don't know. Um, you just kind of be around, yes. And then whenever they need a little guy for a comedy thing, which was like, yeah, week, I'll do that. Which was every week for the guest host things. Right. I worked with ninety nine percent of the guest hosts, but it was, but it was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. It it, uh, it it the la- the first like five or six years were great. Like right. it was it was it was constant using of like, constant me being used and booked. And then it slowly diminished, and then I'd get a little upspurt, and then diminish. And but they gave me 
just under 10 years of living my dream. So I can't ever be mad at that. Yeah, especially since, like, Finley didn't last that long. Like, the Finley character didn't last that long. And you have to think, as Hornswoggle, you're What's dependent. That? When they moved me to Raw, away from Finley, I was so scared. You were? Petrified. Yeah. Because that was all I had. Like, and then, I, oh, you're going to manage Seamus. And then that never happened. <laughs> and it was like... Okay, now what? And then thank God the, the the feud with Chavo started and with guest host stuff, and then Diet, and then it was off to the races again. So it was it was great, right? Um, but it it scared me to death. Was there anything that you didn't want to do? Like you've been there are some uh, historically, I mean I don't want to say bad, but bad. yeah, terrible. I ran through a wall. <laughs> I spray painted a hole in a wall and ran through it. Right. There have been bad things. I I, I wore a giant afro. On the Slammies with Booker T. If you don't look at that and say, mm, something shouldn't be happening here. Um, but was there anything like you got like... The cow suit. You didn't want to do the cow suit? No, because I, I, I knew it was probably a little shot at my weight. Right. And, and that... Um, and you're like, that, like I, don't, I, don't need, I don't need to be uh, made fun of for... Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, but it's... If you do it, and you do it to the best of your ability, as many times as you can, that's all that matters. Yeah. And then you kind of can shove it to them. Yeah. It's not shoving it to them, because it's what they wanted anyways. Right, but right, right. But it, if it gets the reaction, yeah. then it's like, you. That was that even they, if they got what they want, you won. Because they, didn't, it, they didn't get their reaction. No, it didn't. Because the fans booed it. It was one of the, f- like, three times a segment of mine got booed. Oh, was that the... Uh, Me and Torito against Heath. I was Titus. there. It was at the Barclays Center, right? Yes. I was there for no, that. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure you guys... I never, I never worked in the Barclays. Are you sure? Wasn't it the worked. same Raw that Rusev and The Rock had their confrontation? No. This was way before. This was right after WLC-ish. I feel like somebody had an alligator suit on that show. No. Maybe it was not I guess you. I a cow. Yeah, no, no. I, I thought it was a cow and an yeah, alligator. No, I, 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 guess. I was never at Barclays. Oh. But they booed me. They booed the whole segment horribly. And does that suck for you? Yeah, because I knew it wasn't going to be good going into it. Right. And I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to be good. So it's like, okay, guys, I told you this wasn't like, but you can't do anything at that point. Right. Like, you just have to push through. Is that what you have to do? Like, you're like, I'm not getting out of this cow suit. So I, you I just literally like, couldn't because it, it was really <laughs> small. <laughs> but no, it. Uh, yeah, that's even more insulting. Not only do they yeah. put you in a cow suit, they do one that's incredibly, too tight. It's, yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's, uh, yeah. Like you I just say, push through the segment. You're yeah, like, I just, just have to just commit to it. it. Everyone has bad matches or bad segments in their career. Yeah. If you get through it, you know that there's going to be another day yeah. 90% of the time. Yeah, yeah. Are you glad, though, that I felt? I feel like for your career, it's almost like an all's well that ends well situation where it's like no matter what people say about anything, the last real memorable thing you <laughs> did, I think was that, or maybe it's just because I remember the good thing, was, was that WLC match. Everyone talks about WLC, and then we did the payback match, the hair versus mask. Right. Which we killed it in that one. But everyone remembers WLC, and I, I will fully say WLC was the greatest moment of my, my literally my career. Yeah. My career. There's, there's two, three things that really stand out. Um, WLC is number one, taking the Kenton bomb at Mania 23 off the ladder. Yes. Number two. And then my very last match in Green Bay against Heath, um, where... Dolph Ziggler actually coordinated it where they brought my son in the ring after the match, unbeknownst to me. 
Um, I had no idea, and he talked to the producer and the uh, security guards, and one, two, three, it's literally in Green Bay in front of my friends and family. My son is sitting front row, and they bring him over. I'm waving to the crowd, and I turn around and face-to-face with my son in the middle of the ring. I lost it. Lost it. Balled like a baby. But it was one of the coolest things, and it's, it's literally... I never thought that would be my last match. Right. But it couldn't have been a better. Perfect. Better, it can't right? be a better moment. Like, yeah. It was in front of my, it was in my hometown with my son in the ring. Yeah. Against Heath, who that day I texted. I said, hey, man, um, if I get a dark match, would you mind doing it? And he goes, of course. Of course I will. Uh, and he had no problem. No problem. And, it was, and so when you get released... Like, do you immediately think, like, oh, my God, that was just my last... Like, that moment, that was my last... I didn't. Until someone brought it up, one of my buddies brought it up, and said, well, you know what? You have that as your last match. Like, that's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, it, it is. It is. I yeah. have a picture. Um, Zach Ryder or, or Dolph or, or TJ took a picture of the monitor, and it's me hugging my son in the ring. What's up, Markins? Is that the- are Muppets too? Muppets, no, Muppets 7 and Leprechaun Origins. Oscar winning performance. Did you win an Oscar for those performances? I didn't. Oscar the Crouch might have been in a Muppet movie one right, time. Right, right. <laughs> That's right. Thought. Did you just like one of your lines from Leprechaun Origins? I'm, I'm going blank. They cut them. They cut all your lines from Leprechaun Origins? They cut everything. Yeah, I had no lines. I had the whole thing. thing. The whole thing. Yeah. It, Leprechaun Origins, the, the, what, what we thought was going to happen for the finished product and what the finished product was. I have to tell you the truth. I've never seen Leprechaun Origins, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I heard you were going to be in it, right? Yeah. And I go like, oh, I got to see this movie. It's a WWE thing. It's a... And then I watched the trailer. Oh, yeah. You were nowhere in that trailer. And I mean, like, I'm literally. The movie. And then, the movie. And that's what I heard, that it was just gone. I went back on, like, I was going through iTunes, like, probably a week ago, and I was like, you know, I never watched that Leprechaun Origins I'll movie. I'll send you one, Sammy. And I, I got one in my bag. Do you? I'll give you a copy in the bag. <laughs> so I got them on Amazon for $2.50. <laughs> they cut you out of the movie entirely? They put me in full prosthetic with arm, like longer arms and longer legs. Like, I said, what? What are you? Why? Yeah. Like you are already but then, an evil leprechaun on TV, right? So exactly. you would think that the reason to put the evil leprechaun from TV in the WWE movie. I think they said we bought the leprechaun franchise. We have one, so I think he has to be in it, maybe? Like, yeah, <laughs> if we put someone yeah. else in it, it's kind of like, why not, uh, what's going right. on here? So what we're going to do is put him in at our leprechaun, but we'll but totally never disguise him. show him. Right. Never. It looks, the, the, the creature looks like Gollum. It's, it's crazy. So you tell, they like. Showed, they showed half of the face. It took three hours to get in the makeup every, twice a day. When you're sitting in that makeup chair, yeah. are you going, what could possibly be the point of sitting here for three hours? I am when they're gluing the prosthetic so close to my eye. Oh. And I'm going, guys, we don't need it this close. Well, we have a really close-up shot. I'm thinking, oh, that's, <laughs> it'll, it'll look great. And then I watch the movie, and there's no shot, and I go, three weeks of th- six hours a day. And there's nothing. There's nothing. Wow. I texted the director after I watched it a day before I had to talk about it at Comic-Con, by the way, in my hotel room. That's the first time I got to watch it. Uh-huh. And I go, what, what? He goes, exactly. He goes, that's exactly kind of my thoughts. 
we knew what we wanted and other people didn't want that. I just winked. Um, didn't uh. want what we wanted. And it just... And that was it. But then you have to go promote it. Yeah. You have to go to Comic-Con. Twice. You have to... So what do you do? Wait till you see this film, Sam Roberts. <laughs> you think the old leprechaun, and I buried the other ones. You did. And they were like, you probably shouldn't do that. I go, why? Yeah. This is completely different. Right. We're starting it all over. Like, Plus, I feel like you have so much pent-up frustration about that movie oh, that you have to take that and bury something. Like I didn't you can't, care. Right. At, the, at I, that point. And it was cool because I was at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a nerd, comic book nerd by any means, but it's insane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been. It's insane. Yeah. I, I, it, it blew my mind. It, I walked around for eight minutes, and I texted uh, the guy that was in charge of the whole thing. I go, I, I, I got to go back to the hotel. It overwhelmed. <laughs> right. Completely overwhelmed. Right. It really is. Yeah. It really is, especially if you're there, like, I've gotten to do interviews and stuff. Yeah. And it is the most exhausting. Like, you get the least amount done. I bet. Because you have to, like, run through the floor to get over here to this room. And it takes three hours to yeah. get from one side of the floor to the other side because everybody's around. It's crazy. But, like, also, you also have to realize that how many roles are going to pop up for Hornswoggle in WWE movies, right? Like, that was the one shot. Yep. And you walk in going, got it. No. No. It could be Daniel Bryan. It could be... <laughs> Anyone pretty much under 5'5". Five, five. I, don't, I don't think Daniel Bryan's under 5'5". Five, five. But still. But you know what I mean. I do. I do. So, uh, uh, but... But it was a fun to make. And between, I'm sure it was cool to be a part of like, the great. experience it of it and everything. Uh, that and it's, uh, the special effects, like the, the, all that, and the fight scenes and that were fun. And then I got to do Muppets, and that was amazing. Well, because you're like the biggest Muppets fan in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the biggest. The number one. Yes. How many Muppets tattoos now? 28. 28? Twenty-eight. What's the last one? I haven't got one for a while. It was Crazy Harry on uh, right there. Wow. And it's it's. I haven't got one for a couple years now. I've added things all over the rest of my body, mm-hmm. randoms, and uh, but that'll get that'll get some more work done. I think this year. The Muppets thing. Yeah. Who, who's left? There's hundreds of Muppets. Are there? Hundreds. I know. I thought I would have said like max thirty-five. I was really excited to do this interview. So <laughs> you offended me. When they bring in Torito, yes, uh-huh. are you like, oh my god, I got somebody to work with? This no. is mate. You were pissed, uh, scared, frightened. Right. I was very heavy. They brought him in when I was at my heaviest weight and most out of shape. Ever. How come you let yourself get heavy and out of shape just because, because I wasn't working and I didn't care? Right. Like, I didn't go to the gym. I sat in the hotel because I would only be working Tuesdays, so I'd fly in Mondays. I'd get room service on Monday night, just sit, and I wasn't used at TVs, so I would sit in catering and go to the production office and talk to Tony Chimmel and hang out with him for the day. Right. And if I was used, I was used. If I wasn't, it was, eh. So, just, it, so that was a real problem. You just didn't, you didn't, didn't care, care anymore. I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't care about my physical appearance. Right. Um, at all. Uh, and then I get a, I get word that he's hired, and I've followed him, his career, all the time. And I go, there's my swan song. Like, right. there, there's, I'm gone. And then my best friend, Brian Myers, sends mm-hmm. me a video mm-hmm. from Developmental in Florida mm-hmm. of him working with Torito in the ring and Torito flipping him around <laughs> and doing r- double ranas. Which I'm sure is what you, just what you need to see from your just best friend. Especially. 
especially really nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Especially when he knows <laughs> how worried I am. <laughs> and then I get that, and it's thanks, buddy. Yeah. And then he, they start the thing, the Matadors thing on TV, and everyone's just poking, 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 poking. Look how good he is. Look at this. Look at making me like come out to the arena and watch it. Like, <laughs> I get it, guys. I get it. Um, but then I went on like a, a I lost about like 35 pounds. And I'm constantly saying, hey, can we, let's work together. Tell them, the, tell them the writers and everyone, are we going to work together? No, it's too easy. That's the easy way. I go, yeah, ex- exactly. Right. Sometimes the low-hanging fruit is actually delicious. Yeah, because I can reach it. <laughs> exactly. That's a short show. I like that. Yeah. Um, but and then finally Heath Slater is in Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. on tour, and they booked a six man, and they realize they don't have six man on three or three <laughs> man on three MB, and Road Dog comes to me. You're working Torito tonight. I go, no. He goes, yep, and off to the races. And did you feel like you knew how to work at that point? I knew I did. Yeah. No one believed I did. I so see. they brought us to the ring before the show. And said, work. And uh, there was a lot of people around the ring, surrounding the ring, wanting, I think, wanting me to fail or hoping I would fail. For the Why? Own, just, I don't know, for, for their own self-entertainment and yeah. enjoyment. But Dolph and Kofi were sitting, I, I can picture them, literally sitting in the corner of the barricade and watching us work around, and we're doing great. And it's going well, and I'm taking stuff, and I'm giving them stuff, and it's going Exactly how I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And how I knew it could go. Yeah. And they, we end, and everyone's just, wow, awesome. And I look at them, and they give me the nod of, like, almost like a nod of approval. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there you go, Marks. Yeah, I could have done this a while yes. back. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. but it's, 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 and I knew I could. I knew I could do it. Is that it. why you started wrestling without a shirt on? Because you're like, I lost all this weight. I got to show off this bod. No, they told me, go out on a shirt, and I said, absolutely not. And they go, you, you lost some weight. You can do it. I go, no. No, I'm not. They go, you're going without a shirt. And I go, okay. <laughs> and then I had Heath Slater's pants cut, his brand new pants that he, they were making Those for were Heath's pants? They were, he was supposed to get him for the next week at TV. <laughs> and they go, the seamstresses go, we can't just make you new pants right. today. Right. So they cut Heath's pants. <laughs> Drew... <laughs> sent Heath the picture of me in his pants. <laughs> Heath was not happy. No. No, because he... And then we... I still told Heath he had to pay for the pants. <laughs> but it was... It was awesome. Like, it was... That was... I've had a lot of fun moments. But, like I said, WLC is... Yeah. Popsicle. And I feel like that last run, you know it was successful because it got you a whole... You have a Hornswoggle action figure that's yeah. not a leprechaun. I have a Hornswoggle figure with my son's handprints on my back. And now you realize... It doesn't get better. Maybe it was a good thing that I wrestled without a shirt on. Because otherwise... I never thought about that until now. It would never have been made, right? Nobody would have ever known. It's awesome. And that's something cool, too. Like, my son will play with my action figure. I never win. Ever. Ever. Um, But he'll play with it. And one day he goes, what are these? I said, those are your hands. He goes, No. And then I showed him his name is on my back, too. And he goes, those are my hands. I go, and you can see, like, it hit him, like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. He brought it to school for show and tell one time. And I'm just, but, like, the thing is with him, I'm dad. I'm not that. I remember he was real, real young. 
And SmackDown was How old on. is he now? He's six now. He's six. Going on 17. <laughs> um, but he was really young, and he sees me for the first time on television, first time he really noticed it. And I was sitting on the couch, and he sees me, he looks at me, and he looks at the TV, and he looks at me, and he looks at the TV. Like he can, You can see in his eyes, how is my dad there and here at the same time? Yeah. But it was, it's, so he's, I'm, just, I'm just dad, and he's, he's very proud of me, very, very proud of me. Um, breaking the news of my release to him was one of the hardest things I had to do. Did he get it? No, and he still doesn't. Because all of his wrestling. life, if he, yeah, yeah not only are you still wrestling, wrestling, but all of his life, that's it's like. That's all he knows. He WWE knew, he knew people's dead. entrance musics before his ABCs. Wow. He, like, I would play it, and he would, that's CM Punk, that's John Cena, that's it. Before his ABCs, it's crazy. So how do you explain to him that you're not wrestling for WWE? I called my dad, and I told him, Brian was my first call, Brian, um, and then my dad was my second call. And uh, Myers must have been psyched. Because he's wrestling the Indies now, you guys get to yeah hang out. You're well, on the road again. We get to we get to be the new Candice and Joey until he le- <laughs> until he <laughs> leaves me now. Yeah, now he up and leaves me. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to run on his coattails when he comes back. But he, that's gonna be great though because he's gonna be texting you from WWE, yes. being like, "Look what you're missing, bro." Exactly. Again, <laughs> yeah, like with the Toritos. Exactly. Um, but no, it's it's. I called Brian and he says to me, he "Goes." Uh, okay and I wasn't because I knew it was coming let's be honest I was home for a year and a half I knew it was coming but you know it was coming then or was it one of those things where you knew it was coming for a long time, a long time. I and never so thought it would happen. exactly so you didn't know it was coming you I knew, knew it was coming but I didn't think it not would today though never right um, I knew eventually it was going to come right but I, I didn't think it would right they can't fire the midget right like, um, especially not both of them I, I, I strictly I strictly think they have to fire both of them. Two right they can't just right yeah right you can't just fire one no so why is he still hired right yeah yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> um but I call him and he goes you're gonna do so well yeah he goes relax he goes let me call you back in about an hour in in an hour he had me thirteen shows that's amazing. Like, 13 shows. That's when you know that, like, no matter how much ball busting somebody does, you got your up boy. At his wedding. He, yeah. I, 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 we're, we're best friends. Yeah. And it's, it's 13 shows in an hour. And. Which doesn't happen that much in wrestling, right? No. Like, people don't look out for each other to that level. No. Right. That's it's how I know he's a buddy. Yeah. He's, and then I called my dad, and dad goes, you, my dad goes, you had to tell Landon. And I go, no. He goes, you need to tell him. Your life is going to drastically change. I go, no. He goes, okay. He goes, then when you have to travel for work and you're not going to WWE, what are you going to tell him? And that's when I was like, okay. And I told him, I said, hey, um, I don't work for WWE anymore, buddy. Oh, so you're not, you're home this week? I said, I'm... I'm wrestling still, kind of like ACW, which is my company, back home that I run in Oshkosh, ACW Wisconsin. He goes, okay, but is that going to be in Green Bay where we go to SmackDown and Raw? I go, no, it's all over. He goes, okay, can I come because it's like ACW? I said, no. I said, it's kind of like WWE, but just smaller, so I still have to travel a lot. And he goes, okay, and I could tell he didn't get it. 
Oh, are you in a hurry to see this balcony? Okay. <laughs> Eddie Kingston. Great timing. Uh, but no, he, he just said, he goes, I, I get it. Okay, that's fine. I could tell. So still, like, when SmackDown is in the area, he'll ask, hey, are we going to go? I said, I mean, you can go if you want. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going. And we'll go online, we'll get tickets, and it's, it's, I'll get them for him and my dad. And Right, because it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to show up in the audience and bring your kid to no. it? You can't, you're not going to. No, and it's still too fresh to hang out backstage. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But I'm not going to have him not go, because he loves it. Right. He loves it. And it's, it's hard. It, that's probably like the hardest part. Um, second to when shows are in, when my shows are in Wisconsin, and he asks to sell my merchandise, and then he proceeds to ask me, every shirt I help you sell, Dad, I get a dollar off of. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I go, well, you're getting this money anyways in the right, end. Kid. Right. You get an extra dollar, too? <laughs> and then I take a 20 from a fan... And he, th- he doesn't realize that that's a 20. He goes, Dad, that's mine. Because <laughs> he just sees a bill. You know what? He's figuring out the business. Oh, 100%. Though. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. He's much smarter than I was. He's going to do just fine. Yeah. He's going to do just but fine. But it's, uh, it, it, it's, he loves it. He yeah. loves it, and I, I'm having fun. Eddie Kingston's complaining about you. Yeah, either. of course. <laughs> he really wants to get on this balcony out here. For what? To look at these lights. <laughs> to look at the streamers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. Eddie Kingston, why do you want to be on the balcony so bad? Why do you want to be on the balcony? So why do you want to be on the balcony? There's no one here. It's just, just merch and stuff. Eddie Kingston on Twitter, look him up. That's all he wanted. Mark. He said he hates your guts. Sweet. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> Good to see you, Nakoff Sabio. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, Anyways. I want to ask you. Yeah. I, I feel like I've heard stories. I can't remember who said it. Maybe Brodus Clay said it. People have, people have said you're a bully. 100%. You're an asshole, 100%. a ball buster. 100%. I'm, yeah. I've yeah. had people come up from NXT and be like, we heard you're a huge bully. And I go, eh. <laughs> now, Maybe. Now, there's a big difference between, like, bully and practical joker, right? I'm not a practical joker. I don't think that much. I just bust people's balls. You're a bully. Like, you, you, you upset people. I don't mean to upset them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see, some, I'm gonna see a, something that gets a reaction out of them, and I'm going to keep going with it. Like, what do you do? I would have Yoshi and Kali against each other and say, that one speaks better English. No, that one does. And I would get them upset. <laughs> just get them at each other. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Try to prove who can speak better English, <laughs> and neither of them could. See, this is what happens when you take a guy off TV. you got to entertain yourself, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just sitting in the locker room <laughs> looking at things, just scoping out the locker room going, who can I target today? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why did Brodus uh, uh, have such an issue? I think that was Brodus just being Brodus. Yeah? Yeah. I feel like he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to call someone out. Did you feel like... Uh, but then I, I feel like you get it back, too. You're getting text messages when you're worried about your job from your friends. <laughs> I, that's a thing, like, it's such a family a lot of the time. Yeah. That, and we see each other more than our families half the time anyways. So to have that camaraderie is the best part. Were you surprised at how much TV time Little People's Court got? 
Jesus, that I, was a random one. I just, <laughs> I just um, Vern I'll never forget. It, it was pushed back a week because of Vern Troyer. Vern Troyer was supposed to be the judge, but he doesn't work with other midgets. He doesn't. He doesn't. Why is that? He wants the spotlight. He's the specialty, oh, Roberts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, brother. You know the gimmick. He's the specialty. Right. So he's the one guest host that you don't have anything to do with. We had a handshake. And that was it. That was it. That's he was as supposed much to be as the did. judge of Little People's Court, which would have been amazing. It would have been perfect. A little Judge Wapner. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's mini-me. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, no, no. He nixed it. Nixed it. Ah. Instead, he sat on a stool and almost got knocked off by Mark Henry, which would have made my day. <laughs> I mean, it would have been the greatest Because he couldn't have ever. cut himself. No he way. Would, he probably would have passed away. <laughs> probably would have passed away. And that would have made your day. Not him dying. <laughs> <laughs> but him falling off a three-foot stool and right. not being able to catch The himself. way in which he died. Like, right before you knew he was dead, it, you would have been ha- super happy. I would have been happy that he fell. Right. That's, right. that's as far as I'm going. <laughs> but did you, like, so they push it back a week. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to make this like a focal point of the show. It was, the, it was like four segments. That's what I remember about it. Yes. I'm like, where are they going with this? And I was like, wait, wait, wait. This really is just an episode of the People's Court. Yes. But with small people. Yes. Like, there's no other... No, I was like, like there's got to be a hook here. And they're Hunter like, no. And Hunter and Sean knocked on, like, the ring and, like, asked to come. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Insanity. Yeah. Did you like that? That, that Loved it. I you got did. to work with DX. And it's four segments for you. Exactly. I was, right. on, I was on at least two segments a week. I was, to me, that, that's like the whole under the ring thing. I was listening to one, I can't remember which podcast it was that you did. But I think you were telling, you were saying that, like, you would have to go under the ring. Before the show, a lot, especially overseas tours. I'd be under the ring before the, the doors open. See, when I'm a kid, right, like, I, when I'm starting to figure out the business, yes. you know what I mean? I figured out in my head, trap doors. Everyone there's, said that. There's a tunnel system. Under the building. Of course, just yes. like at Disney World. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No. Every, every major sports arena Everyone. has a tunnel system. Especially, like, bull rings in Mexico have right. these. Yes. Tunnel system. Yes, yes. Never. No. Never. No. So you're having to sit under that sweaty ring for hours. Even, like I, there's there's been many times where I would go before the show, before doors, and it was the main event. Oh my god! So all of door opening, which is an hour and a half. Yeah. Maybe two if we're over like in a big arena. First half intermission. Second half. So you couldn't like there wasn't like something at intermission where you could kind of sneak out no. or they could. Thank God for my PSP. That's what you'd bring under there all the time, and I slept. You just bring your video game with you, or you take a nap. Sleep. <laughs> Matt Stryker is show. Matt Stryker, he's still working out. He's still working out. Are you sure that's what that is? I think so, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> sweet tan line, bud. <laughs> this is it. This, this is it. <laughs> this is indie wrestling, though. Yeah, isn't I love it. it. Isn't I, it? I truly love it. Like, yeah. It's, it's, everyone you, asks, like, do you miss WWE and? I miss the knowing that money will be there. Right. Knowing the, the uh, security. Right. Security of WWE. I and there's got to be something, too, about being on the biggest show. Of course. Like, like that. But I don't know that when I haven't been used for two years. That's true. So that's not a big thing for me. How quick does, uh, like, when you do your matches with Torito. Yeah. Like, you've got that, like, whatever it is, 10, 15 minutes of glory. Yeah. Which, by the way... I mean, I think the reason people still talk about WLC is because it was the preview show match. Preview show, and it stole and the show. 
nobody remembers the pay-per-view. Yeah. So no um, one remembers that it was Shield versus Evolution. Right. Exactly. Sorry. No, you're right. You're right. That, but I said that in an interview, and I don't think it went over very well one time. Oh no. But no. Uh, but it. it I, I'll. I fully say that that one because people weren't expecting it. But like, does that 15 minutes of glory? Does that make up like if you go a year of like uh, I'm I'm over this I'm no, over this I'm over it this. Um, especially after if like it's that, and then we do another good one, and then it's nothing. Then I'm even more pissed off because I know we just killed it. Right. I know what we're capable of doing. And you know we just killed it. Right. And the fans know we just killed it. Right. So why aren't you still letting us? Right. Or letting us do different things. And or, do you think it's a matter of just not wanting to use the creative energy? Is it like, like what, They always why? told me, yeah. we don't want to do too much because it loses its specialty. Okay, then take a month off. Yeah. And do something. Right. And change it up a little bit. Something. Team us up. Yeah. Anything. Right. There's something here right in front of you. And we've proven it. Like, I don't know. It, it just, that always bugged me. What's your favorite thing you've done on the indies? Because you've been, you've last been. Last night. Yeah. Last night, uh, Torito and I, it was fun. Um. That was a lot of fun. We got to do a half a WLC match. You showed me before we started taping that you did I a... just had kidney stones uh, a week and a half ago. And my buddy that I brought with me goes, you just got that part of your body worked on, and you're taking a bump on a ladder off the top. He goes, that, that, that probably wasn't a great idea. I said, I didn't even think about that. He did the, the tadpole, tadpole onto a step ladder. ladder. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why I think that like that is so like that blew me away is what I told you. That like a long ladder, it's not gonna ever feel good. It'll bend a little. The middle has give because it's so long. That little step ladder, that two foot ladder, yeah. it's just solid. Yeah. That's it. It's like jumping on a. On I, a I as soon as I got up there, I was like, because I originally wanted to try a swanton and miss because <laughs> I know I can, and I tried it at my camp this last week. I knew we were going to do something fun last night. And then I saw it. I go, no, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. No. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, doing the splash will hurt, so maybe I'll just do a leg drop. And I thought, if I do that, that's going to really hurt my ass. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'll try it. And I did the splash. <laughs> as soon as I, I hit, I go, oh, that wasn't smart. But that little son of a bitch, pardon my English, the first punch of the match, he about knocked my jaw six inches off my face. He just punched me. I go, wow, okay. That's All what right. we're doing. All right. And I get him back, and I accidentally got him a little snug, and I go, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun, man. It was, it was, I got to, I've always wanted to, I don't know why, the, the deathmatch fan in me always wanted to take a Sabu chair shot, the throw. So you are a deathmatch fan. Love deathmatch wrestling. So you were an ECW guy. No, but I love death. I love CZW. My gotcha. two favorites, like my two favorite kinds of wrestling, are PWG, yeah, and CZW. Complete opposite sides. Absolutely, of the spectrum. absolutely. Um, but I was like, I always wanted to do the the Sabu chair shot, uh-huh. and I got to do it last night. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Are there any other midgets that like are yeah, out there? Yeah, there's one. There's one on the wanna... East Coast uh, named Robbie. I've worked him a few times. He's awesome. Yeah, him and I have, have done some really fun stuff on the Indies so far. Yeah, um, just wrestling. I get to wrestle, not ha ha. Just get to wrestle, right? And it's fun. It's it's fun for me to think of things to do, and when I work another midget, we can do indie, my fun indie spots that I've always wanted. to do. <laughs> but that that's been fun. I just there's so much that I want to do, 
Um, going for Chikara was great. Starting with them, that was a ton of fun. Tagging with Myers, obviously, has been awesome. Um, I told you Cody kind of stole my thunder with his bucket list. Yeah, talk to me about the bucket because list. Because I was about to... <laughs> He's a bona fide idiot, Dreamer is. What are you doing? Uh, what are you... <laughs> you just tripped out of a door? I Yep. He was just saying that you were his road dad. You, that's what he said. Yeah. That's what he, except he said he ignored your call like the first Probably. three yeah, times that you called him. I thought I was a deck collector. <laughs> I just wrote about it in my old book. It was down to him and another guy. Uh-huh. Uh, and the other guy, they said, you're too tall to be uh, a midget. They actually <laughs> tried out Jesse from Jesse and Festus as well for it. Yeah. Well, who is like... Just short... He's just short. He's just a short dude. Vince McMahon, though. <laughs> <laughs> I want a midget. You're not a midget. <laughs> it literally, he's about 5'2", five 5'3". Five yeah. He's not a midget at all. No, he's a person. Yeah, he's just a, he's just yeah. a person. He's just literally a, a person. Uh, an average-sized person. Yeah. 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 Um, but I was saying, oh, the Cody Rhodes bucket list thing. So I was saying, I was literally going to tweet it out that week. Yeah. And then he gets released. First off, he takes half my, he takes a ton of bookings from me because now he's the hot free agent. Right. He takes all everything away from me. And then, um, was there stuff that you w- would have gone to? The- no, the, he didn't take my spots by any. No, right no, 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 no. He's no. wrestling Torito. No, no, no. Yeah, but he, he like, but he took definitely. Thunder. People were like, oh, excited about getting Hornswoggle on their shows, and now they can get Cody Rhodes and right. stuff. Like, you son of a gun! Right, taking all my thunder here. Right, and then, but I was gonna tweet it, and then he tweeted, and I was like, oh, I can't do this now. Right, oh, Hornswoggle's got his Cody Rhodes list. Yeah, like it's not exactly. a Cody list, but it's it's like what was on your list? PWG is number one. I've said it in every interview I've done. I'm sure they're sick of me bugging them. But you're trying to make sure that you hammer it into the universe. I want to go there. Yeah. I want to go there. Um, Yeah, I want to go there. I mean, it seems like there is a place for you there, right? Sammy Callahan and I. That's what you want? It would be fun. It would be fun. It would be fun. He's a little brawling wild man, and we could have some fun. Right. And it, it, it... I just so think, you like the idea of wrestling? I love wrestling full size, not people. singles normally, right? Because there's not a lot I can do to them, right? Um, I'm wrestling Tracy Smothers this coming Friday, <laughs> which will be 45 minutes of dancing and promos and a roll up probably, right? Right. But it'll be fun. And you got to do the bite on the butt spot. He'll want it for sure. I'm sure. 100. <laughs> percent He's he's really tall, so he'll definitely want that. Right. But it's a. I just I definitely want PWG because it's I'm they're my number one company right now. I love them. Have you been to a PWG show? No. And I've I'm been so, once. Yeah. And it really you, is everything they say. It's it just it's crazy. Yeah. I want to go. I want to go, and I just want that experience one time. Um, that, I want to do some kind of midget death match once. No barbed wire, no, nothing too stupid, but I want to do one midget death match. Uh, just naming it the midget death match. Yeah. And that's, that's the point. You'd have to have a company, though, that has the balls to call it. Hornswoggle versus XYZ midget deathmatch. Perfect. Um, there's, there's a few things I just want to do, but PWG is definitely on top. I'll, I'll tweet that bucket list because I checked two more off this weekend. What did you check Hardcore. off? House of Hardcore and Torito. So you wanted to specifically work Torito and also go to House outside of, of WWE yep. just so you guys could do yep. whatever it was that you wanted yeah, to do. Well, listen, man. I'm going to let you get to uh, what you Yeah, i got to go sell these gimmicks. Yeah, Raleigh yeah. Allen just, just made me, gave me the wrap it up <laughs> sign. Make some money. But thanks for doing this, man. Something I always want to do. Yeah. I really enjoy your So podcast. this is on your bucket list? 
It was on my B bucket list. That's out, yeah, it's on I'll the back it. side. It's on the back of the page. It's on the other side. It's on the back of the page. Yeah, yeah. He had his hand on his bucket list. It was like if you flip the page over, there, there, there's you. Right. Yeah. I, I'm there. Cool. Somewhere. Does it bleed through a little bit? Like, did you write it? No, it, it, it was in it was no... in pencil. Oh, so you just erased it, but it was there. It was there. Okay, all right. It perfect, was there. Perfect, perfect. All right, man. Thank you, Thank dude. you. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Here is Sam Roberts. Hornswoggle, ladies and gentlemen. Hornswoggle, he did not disappoint. And really, I mean, the fa- he told me that this was a, a goal of his. And while maybe it wasn't on his bucket list necessarily, the fact that he actually wanted to do my podcast out of all the podcasts, the fact that he would actually take the time to listen, is just, it's mind-blowing. Like I said last week, whenever I hear anyone in the industry listening to my podcast, the first thing I think of is why. <laughs> and uh, it's just really flattering. And it also makes me question what kind of stuff I've said in State of Wrestling. Hopefully I haven't insulted them. You know what I mean? Speaking of State of Wrestling, we should get into it. Uh, A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Mainly WWE stuff, of course. Coming off of Clash of Champions, Raw and SmackDown. Um, Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the possibility of WWE buying TNA. Although I still might save that for a YouTube video. Uh, but, But a lot to talk about. Cruiserweight Classic. Look, let's get into it. State of Wrestling time. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Well, if you miss Clash of Champions for any reason, luckily, almost every match that occurred at that show, you'll be able to watch either on Raw next week or Raw this week. If you combine those, you'll see just about everything. You'll see, uh, well, we got to see the tag title match. We got to see the U.S. title match. Uh, I guess Sasha... And Charlotte is next week, right? It's not a triple threat, so technically that's different. I don't know, man. Raw is, like, so convoluted, I guess. When you watch SmackDown, and this goes back on what I was saying, and to me it's changed. It's changed quite a bit. Raw seems to be drifting more in the direction of where it was before WrestleMania. Right when it was really not great. Last two WrestleManias, you've there have been a great shows, but we've walked into those shows with terrible expectations because Raw wasn't good leading to them. And I feel like that's where we're going. We haven't identified Mick Foley's role in this thing. We haven't identified like you either have to be somebody who is fighting the authority or a stooge. Or, or you know, Machiavellian genius that's in on everything. And Mick hasn't really established his position on any of the three. Like, there, there, there's a little bit of real-life blending in, I think, when they talk about how he's fond of Stephanie McMahon. But if we're going to have character Stephanie McMahon on TV, then I don't want to hear that Mick Foley is, is fond of real-life Stephanie McMahon, because we're not dealing with real-life Stephanie McMahon. We're dealing with character <coughs> Stephanie McMahon. And character Stephanie McMahon has, hasn't hasn't done much to, to like. You know what I mean? Character Stephanie McMahon is really pretty evil and doesn't really treat the guys that well. Um, and it's not like we've established that Mick Foley needs this job of GM, right? He doesn't, like, need it. It's not like that thing they did with the big show a couple of years ago where she could treat him however she wanted to because Big Show was broke out of nowhere. Like, Mick Foley's not broke. He's got Holy Foley on the network. That's got to pay dividends. 
So I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I'm, I'm very willing to see where it goes. But at this moment, I'm not exactly sure what Mick Foley's position is on the show. Um, it also feels like they're dragging Raw back to being a three-hour show that is centered around one storyline. I am probably in the minority. I'm at least in the internet minority. I do not mind the authority storyline. I think Stephanie McMahon is a great on-screen character. I think Triple H is a great on-screen character, and I get excited whenever Triple H is announced for a match. Um, As I've said before, Seth Rollins is on my list of favorite wrestlers. I could watch him forever. Same with Kevin Owens. I agree with the situation that they have right now where Seth Rollins is being phased into being uh, a major good guy. I think he'll be very, very successful in that position. The problem is it's the only storyline. You've got the one woman storyline and the one men storyline. And other than that, everybody's getting forgotten about, you know. Well, the other storyline, and it kind of – here's there's one other storyline on Raw – and that's Sheamus and Cesaro. However, as we saw in the Mick Foley promo, that got blended right into the authority thing. Now Stephanie McMahon thinks that Mick Foley is spending too much time focusing on Sheamus and Cesaro, which it is weird. He's got that love affair for them. Um, <laughs> he's spending too much time focusing on them when he should be focusing on what's going on with the world title or the universal, the champion of the universe belt, whichever it is. Which I, you know, I don't see how that's, I, I guess, you know, the universal championship is the most important thing, but part of being a GM for a three-hour show is filling it out, right? Is making sure that you have a, a well-rounded program, not just, let's see what's going on in the champion of the universe title picture, because that's taken care of, although, just an odd way to end the show, ending Raw with a tag match between with Jericho and Owen, I, maybe they just gave up because the debates were on. But ending Raw with a tag match, Jericho and Owens versus Enzo and Cass. Last I checked, Enzo and Cass were buried deep in their feud with the Shining Stars, which is basically like going to SmackDown and feuding with the Ascension. To then think that you, it just totally unclear. What's going on with Enzo and Cass and where they stand and how we're supposed to take those characters, whether we're supposed to take them seriously, whether they're at the bottom, at the top. I don't buy. I'm not a person that accepts that one week they can be struggling to defeat the Shining Stars and, by the way, sometimes not defeating the Shining Stars and the next week starting trouble with the world champion. If I'm Kevin Owens, I'm looking at Enzo and I'm saying – I get that you want attention, Enzo, but you're not in my league. Go see if you can take care of Epico, and then maybe come back. And if I'm Mick Foley, I'm going, Enzo, where do you get off challenging our champion of the universe? You know, you're not, you're not in that league right now. And Cass, you had your shot, but you're the only one who lost clean. I, I just don't know why. That decision was made. I don't know that it furthered anything except, you know, the establishment that Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens are best friends. Like, you didn't need – they're really heavily planting seeds for the eventual breakup of Kevin Owens 
and Chris Jericho. And, you know, they are going to put themselves in a position where they have legitimate good guys, which is Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. That's very, very obvious. Once Jericho turns on Kevin Owens, which is what's going to happen, Kevin Owens will be a good guy. By that time, Seth Rollins will be a good guy as well. Um, that's that To me, that's where this thing is going. The Rollins-Kevin Owens feud is headed in a direction where you've got Kevin Owens and Jericho wrestling in a grudge match, and you've got Seth Rollins as champion defending against Triple H. Now, that's something that could happen as soon as Survivor Series, depending on what happens at Hell in a Cell, could happen at the Royal Rumble. Unless you need to have a situation where you have Seth Rollins winning the Royal Rumble, um, which is very possible. But but it's just, it, 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 it's an odd way of doing things. Uh, you know, and I don't think you need to be quite so heavy-handed at this point. We, we're well-established. And Jericho and Kevin Owens are, are pure entertainment when they're on TV. But it's like, it's not good enough to just be pure entertainment. We can use that pure entertainment and point it in the direction of great storytelling. That's the problem with the authority. Seth Rollins might be the best wrestler on the planet. Okay, I love him with all my heart. Might as well marry him. Kevin Owens is amazing. Jericho is doing... I still say the second best work of his career. It's not as good as the Shawn Michaels feud. Nothing will ever be as good as the Shawn Michaels feud. But for a career that's as long as his has been, the fact that he's doing the second best work of his career right now says something. You got Jericho doing the second best work of his career. I already told you how I felt about Stephanie and how I felt about Triple H. But you've got all these elements and you're just using them as elements. You're not weaving them into a great story. You've got great performers... And that's being relied upon. And it feels lazy to me. It doesn't feel like they're being used to tell stories. It feels like they're being used to showcase themselves as characters. And nothing is particularly moving forward with any of them at the moment. And they're the ones that have a pay-per-view coming up. They Oh, wait, no. No Mercy is in two weeks. And then it, it's still Hell in a Cell. Um... So, you know, on SmackDown, SmackDown's the total opposite. SmackDown, you have clear, multiple clear stories being told. No mercy is being led to with clear, compelling stories being told for each match. Whereas, you know, what do you have coming out of, of, of what's it called, of Clash of Champions? You have Rusev, who for whatever reason, can't accept that Roman Reigns has beaten him multiple times. I guess, you know, there's always some kind of chicanery or whatever, but still, at this point, Roman Reigns beat him for the honor of his wife. Roman Reigns beat him up for no reason at all at SummerSlam. Roman Reigns took his title. Roman, like, I I don't know how many more Rusev-Roman Reigns matches you can have. I feel like you have to separate them now at the risk of, of Rusev looking even weaker. So, and and I don't know, it, it, maybe the plan is to have Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens as good guys. But then Finn Balor's coming back. He's going to be a good guy. The New Day is good guys. 
What do you have? Enzo and Cass are good guys. What do you have left? Jericho and Rusev as your only bad guys? I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say the words Roman Reigns heel and turn all in the same sentence ever again. But I don't know what else to do in terms of filling that out. So uh, and and I guess you've got and, and Sheamus is now a good guy. Everybody's a good guy. The Sheamus Cesaro thing. Um, well, I guess you've got the club. The club are bad guys, but the club have proven one thing. They're very, very aggressive and lose matches. Do you know what a feather in the cap it would have been for the club if they had been able to win the tag titles at uh, Clash of Champions? Do you know how much that would have done for that team? Especially if they beat them soundly. Right now, we don't have a reason to believe that the club, Gallows and Anderson are this sort of main event force to be reckoned with. We haven't been given a reason to believe that. We're being told that. They're being put in those matches, but they haven't won anything major. They haven't won a huge match yet, and they haven't been this terrorizing force. They're just pretty good, and that's not enough. If they had been able... If if they could beat New Day, just, just destroy them, because the comedy thing... I isn't going to work for them. <laughs> and it's not because they're not funny. Because you can listen to the podcast or watch the video of the interview I did with them live at Caroline's. They're hilarious. They're, the talent that those guys have is huge. But the old day skit was so bad that nobody can take them seriously in that department anymore. So what do you do? What do you do? You shift them towards the aggressive side of things. And that, I think, would be an easy move, but you can't have them losing matches. But it's the same thing they did with Bray Wyatt. Like, all the potential in the world, but they just have them lose matches left and right. So, I, I don't know what type of future building you're doing with those guys. Obviously, those guys aren't the future. Um, as far as the... And I, I hate to complain this much, because I love wrestling. You know, and that's the whole reason we do this podcast. Is because I'm still a wrestling fan. I love wrestling. And at the end of the day, I was entertained. I'm always entertained by these shows. I tried to explain that to Vince Russo on his podcast this week. He was perplexed at the idea of me being able to maintain my fandom throughout. But I have. And I'm still a fan of the show. It just... Here's... When I start complaining, this is the spirit that it comes from. I am keenly aware of how good wrestling can be i am keenly aware of what good wrestling feels like and when i see wrestling and i don't get that feeling i get frustrated and i get disappointed and i feel like opportunity has not been taken advantage of i feel like we've left something on the table because we had the ability to to turn some heads I feel like something's been left on the table because we had the ability to do great wrestling and it wasn't done. Uh, So that's why I get frustrated because I know that that feeling is possible and it didn't happen. And it's not the roster. You know, it's it's not the talent. It's what the talent is doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. 
uh, and whoever's fault that is, whatever's pro- I don't know. I don't know who to blame on it. You know, you could say the talent doesn't take advantage of opportunities like they used to. You could also say that the, it's a different world than it used to be, and the culture is different than it used to be. All of that's true. But whatever it all is, it's 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 leading to my frustrations. So the Cesaro Sheamus match. I felt like we sat through a month and a half of Cesaro versus Sheamus. Some of the matches were forgettable, some of the matches were amazing. I'd loved the pay per view match. I don't know why. They've got a hard-on for non-finishes lately because that was beyond frustrating. To build to build that far to a non-finish will never be anything that gets people excited. But that's what they did. But then you go to Raw, and after seven matches, a month and a half of build towards this final who's tougher thing, we did three... That, that So... so it took a month and a half to get one step in the story. Then we did about three weeks worth of storytelling on one show. Then we did Cesaro and Sheamus arguing about who's tougher. And two men bickering about who's tougher is like the least tough thing you could do. If either one of them, as characters, were tough, they wouldn't be bickering about it. They'd be fighting. There's one way to find out who's tougher. You fight. They would have started fighting. They wouldn't argue. And... Beyond that, they go from bickering to arguing with Mick Foley to settling on it to having their first tag match to winning that match to posing down about like like all in one show. You know, they didn't even accept the concept. First of all, it should be two weeks of arguing with Mick Foley because he screwed him over. Mick Foley basically, as the GM, acted like a genie who's granting you three wishes. And then you're like, oh, I wish I were taller. And he's like, good, you're 10 feet tall. And you're like, I didn't say 10 feet tall. And the genie's like, well, you didn't specify. What's your next wish? I wish I was shorter. All right, good, you're nine inches tall. What? I just want to be average height. Okay, good, you're where you started. Hope you enjoyed your three wishes. You know, that's what Mick Foley did. He said championship opportunity. And then he's like, I mean tag team. And you're like, what? We could just have one more match to find out. We both thought we were getting universal title shots. The universal title and the tag team title is two different things. Whether it's in character or out of character. You can't tell me Xavier Woods would feel the same pride wearing one of the tag titles as he would wearing the championship of the universe. It doesn't work that way. So the fact that he turned it on them, they should have been furious, furious about that. But they got kind of mad, and then they just kind of let it go, and were like, oh, okay, all right. Then let's just get the championship. And I swear to God, if Cesaro and Sheamus, who did... It took them seven weeks to do three weeks of storytelling and then one week to do another four weeks of storytelling. It's the most disjointed thing I've ever heard. If they're the ones who finally dethrone the New Day, and by the way, they would kind of just be a SmackDown, a Raw version of Rhino and Heath Slater, but if they're the ones who finally dethrone the New Day, 
instead of Gallows and Anderson, I'm going to set a building on fire. I'll have no other option. WWE wants me to commit an arson charge with the way things are going on raw. I'll set a building on fire. I'll have to. Just to prove a point that it makes no sense. You have this opportunity to build a tag team. Build Gallows and Anderson. You have an opportunity to build a single star. Build Cesaro. Build Sheamus if you want. But this version of it makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. Um, So that was disappointing. The whole thing was disappointing. And I guess, I guess, oh boy, Raw is not doing well in my book today. Raw is getting a scathing review on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Because now i got to talk about the cruiserweights. And that's Raw. I'll have better things to say about SmackDown. Don't you worry. I guess they weren't listening. Maybe, you know what? I think they were listening. I think WWE was listening when I said it doesn't make sense to have the purple lights for the cruiserweights. Because then not only were they like, oh, Sam doesn't like that, good. We're going to make the ropes purple too. Oh, and we're going to make the turnbuckles purple. Oh, and we're going to put the cruiserweight logos in the corners of the ring. Like, oh, and, and like you're watching a different show. I don't know if this is Triple H's way of slowly adding certain elements into the mix, but it's presented totally differently, and there's no reason why. Why is the cruiserweight division presented more like an athletic competition? Is that your way of telling us that the stuff that the non-cruiserweights are doing is entertainment, but the cruiserweight stuff is actual wrestling? You know, and I'm talking about the handshake at the beginning. I'm talking about the way the referee thoroughly checks for uh, foreign objects. And I'm talking about the way the match ends UFC style, where the referee stands between the winner and the loser and raises the winner's hand. Like, why is the entire format of the show and the way wrestling is presented changing because they weigh less than 200 pounds? Why? All it does is make it feel like you're watching something separate from the show. And honestly, Raw is the franchise of WWE. Raw has been around forever. In case you didn't hear, Monday Night Raw is the longest-running episodic television show in the history of broadcasting, okay? That is the standard. So when you have an alternative to that on that, it's going to look less, not more. It's going to look worse, especially when it's like, you're playing those packages and stuff, but you know what you know what the cruiserweight thing looks like? It looks like what NXT looked like when it was on sci-fi, when it was the reality show, when you know, when the Nexus was there with Daniel Bryan and Wade Barrett and all those guys. That's what the cruiserweight division looks like on Raw. And the NXT show failed miserably. Like, you know, I, I'm happy a lot of the cruiserweights are on the show. I think Tony Nese is great. I'm perfectly happy with TJ Perkins as champion. Uh, I love that Brian Kendrick is back. I've talked about that many times. And Brian Kendrick is a shining star, no pun intended, of the cruiserweight division because Brian Kendrick actually has a character. Brian Kendrick actually has something to fight for. He's got a reason for being. The rest of them are just cruiserweights. And, you know, Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan. I'm the biggest Rich Swan fan ever. But if you just, it's like you just paint them as cruiserweights. 
and then don't make anything special about them except what's in the ring. And WWE fans, we as WWE fans, have been conditioned to not believe that that's all there is to it. We as WWE fans have been conditioned to know that you need more than just good in-ring skills. You need a character. You need promo. You need story. You need the whole deal. That's why there's more than just rings at the Performance Center. But I guess the Cruiserweight division is different. Like, you're putting too much pressure on these guys by separating them so much. That's why, I hate to tell you this, watch Raw. Watch those Cruiserweight matches. The first one, very little response. The second one, got the CM Punk chance, which is like the boring chance uh, is not effective enough. I would chant boring, but this is more than that. This is more boring than boring. This is like, I just, I, I'm bored. I just want to do something else. I just want to distract myself. Oh, I'll just, I'll just chant CM Punk for no reason. I like CM Punk. CM Punk is the second level boring chant. And that was going on uh, while you were watching the champion. And, and so, like, there shouldn't be two cruiserweight matches per show. And you shouldn't make such a big deal out of it. Like, it should almost be secondary. Like, oh, I guess this is a cruiserweight match. And, and, and it can't just be guys that we've never heard of. Put Neville and Sin Cara and, and whoever else you can find. Put all them in the cruiserweight division. Why not? Why not? You know? And don't change the colors of everything. Don't change the ropes. Don't make it so that you, for one match you're watching a different show. Because people chose to watch Raw or Clash of Champions or whatever it is. They chose to watch that show. You cannot change what the show is while the show's on. Because I'm not there to watch the Cruiserweight Classic. I'm there to watch Raw. And there are people that are going to sit there and be like, no, 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 I don't want to watch this. Let me change it. It doesn't make sense. Incorporate, don't you're inviting the Cruiserweights to your home. That doesn't mean you paint your house. That means you go, okay, but you know, you follow, you can, please come to my house. It's a mansion, but follow the rules of the house. And, and, and instead they're like, please come to my house and let me know how I should behave. You know, it doesn't make sense. So I'm still very dissatisfied about the cruiserweights. Uh, and I, and honestly, I think that it would help the reactions uh, of people if you didn't make it seem so separate. Speaking of reactions, I need to clarify the Yaboo theory. I was I was getting some heated response on Twitter. Because I said at the pay-per-view, Roman Reigns was getting hit hard with Yaboos. And people were saying, it's not a Yaboo. It's kids and women going yeah, and grown men going boo. Allow me to explain the Yaboo. Crystal clear, okay? Your reaction to a match, to a promo, to a moment is supposed to be organic. It's supposed to be what you feel at the time, right? So when you cheer, it's because you get this surge of positive energy because you're enjoying what you see. And when you boo, it's because you get this surge of hatred because you don't like what's going on. It's completely emotional. It is not a logical response. It is an emotional response. It's just yelling a sound 
at a thing you saw. Logically, you should keep your mouth shut. You don't need to yell at something, you yell your reaction at something. It's purely emotional. The Yabu theory is this. Adult men are going to be the loudest audience. They are not, if they are reacting, they are not going to get drowned out. When Roman reigns, and it doesn't happen every time, but I always point it out when it does. When Roman Reigns comes out, when Roman Reigns won the U.S. title, the first thing you heard was, yeah! Many times this is his reaction. And it doesn't go twice like I just did. I was just demonstrating. It's, it's, it's one fluid thing. Because once you hear the boo... The Yabu is over. The Yabu can't continue because the Yabu is all about the true emotional response. If your boo comes a split second after the Yaz have already started, then you are intentionally booing. You are not reacting on your heart. Some people legitimately boo Roman Reigns. I'm not saying he's not getting booed. But the yeah boo is people who are booing Roman Reigns on purpose because they want to, not because they're actually reacting to what they're seeing. Some of these people are cheering and then saying boo. Others are silent and then saying boo. But the fact that the boos do not drown out the cheers until a split second after the event happens is scientific evidence that the boos are intentional. That the boos are being done on purpose because it's what people want to do. It's not actually a reaction to what's going on. The clearest example of the Yabu took place. I don't remember the year. It was the Royal Rumble that was in Madison Square Garden. John Cena made his surprise return. Nobody thought he was going to be there. But it was at a time when we booed John Cena. Not ironically either, and I'll talk about the ironic boos of John Cena after this. But it was when we booed John Cena. But we didn't expect him to come. And honestly, in our hearts, we all knew John Cena was the most awesome ever. So, 10987654321, the buzzer goes off. John Cena's music plays. Everybody's so excited, they all cheered. Then they remembered... They're supposed to boo John Cena. So they booed him. The cheer is the true reaction. Okay? If the bell rings and you hear men booing and children cheering at the same time right away, then you've simply got a split audience. If the bell rings and you hear cheering, followed, followed by booing. Then you've got people that are booing out of principle, not out of true emotion, not out of actually reacting to the match. Watch that show. You tell me after he won the U.S. title, he didn't get yeah booed. There is a big difference, and Roman Reigns gets hit with both of them. Sometimes he gets booed and cheered. That's a mixed reaction. Sometimes he only gets booed. Sometimes he really only mainly gets cheered.
That's not too often. But I've witnessed it many times. He gets hit with the yabu, which is the most inauthentic reaction you could possibly have to a superstar. Go ahead and watch the tape. You can tweet me if you think I'm out of my mind. But the yabu is a thing. Another thing I was talking about on Twitter in terms of boos was uh, people were asking me if John Cena gets yabooed now. And John Cena does not get yabooed. Because John Cena gets cheered, and then they're still singing John Cena sucks. But the John Cena sucks chants are, to me, similar to the uh, Kurt Angle, you suck, you suck, you suck. They're saying you suck, but it's a cheer. They like him. John Cena has passed the point of getting booed for being goody-goody John Cena. He's now the man. And everybody is kind of, I think, in agreement on that. Everybody's kind of aware of that. And I think that's okay. So I think that John Cena, it's different. People boo John Cena because it's like the thing. But everybody is kind of admitting that he is the man. And if that, if you didn't think that already, tune in to my favorite wrestling show of the week, Talking Smack. And you tell me that John Cena is not the man. Listen to the way John Cena addressed Dean Ambrose on Talking Smack. And by the way, what John Cena said is true. That's a philosophy that did not start with John Cena. His philosophy that you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with is very true. And it's something that that I've thought was true and lived by for a while now. It's definitely not the first time that I've heard that or lived by it. It's something that I, I hold. In my heart. And I I love that he brought it up because it came from a very real place. That is a real psychological, sociological uh, 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 concept. And that's something that is taught uh, uh, through uh, people who are trying to better themselves, that are going through, whether it's leadership training or self-improvement or whatever it is. That's a Tony Robbins-ism. That's all that stuff. All that stuff teaches just that concept. And he's 100% right. You know, why would John Cena get dressed with the other wrestlers? He doesn't want to be the other wrestlers. He wants to be bigger than that. It's, it's like this. In life, you meet people, right? If you meet me, odds are, if I'm really spending some quality time with somebody, I try to spend quality time with people that are more successful than me that are doing bigger things than me and it's not about being a fame whore it's got to be at least people that i admire to some level it's because you're going to pick up on things from them you're going to you're going to you're going to learn from them you're going to learn from their success you're going to find out about their mistakes you are going to become a better person for that a lot of people a lot of successful people a lot of people in my field of work professional broadcasting hang out with yes men, hang out with uh, people that they've hired, assistants, interns, uh, whoever they are. And that's who they spend their time with. And the reason they do that is because it helps their ego. It helps inflate the ego and uh, makes it so that they feel better about themselves. But the truth is that that is a recipe for staying stagnant. That is a recipe for going nowhere. 
And I'm glad that John Cena brought that up, and I, I thought his promo was great. John Cena now has this position where it's like, you can't mess with me anymore. John Cena is on the cusp of being the next guy to be The Rock. There has never been a competitor, a wrestler, a superstar like John Cena who is really putting the company on their back. You know, if this and who knows? It's a different world. Maybe if this were 15 years ago, John Cena would have gone to WCW. I doubt it. I think he sees himself like The Undertaker, a soldier. And I don't think that's because of a lack of competition. I think that's just how he sees himself. But there has been there have been very few people that have done this. And even Hogan. Hogan put the company on his back. Then he left the company to pursue movies. Then he took the deal from WCW. John Cena can make a lot of money doing something else. But not only does he not do that, he's still working house shows. Cena is working house shows. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to, but he knows the WWE needs it. Um, and so I love that he's letting that be apparent. I love that he has entered in to this new phase in his career where he is reminding people that he is he's 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 the god of this thing right now. He's the man. Win or lose no matter what. He's the man and that's why he's going after that Ric Flair record. The difference between John Cena's promo and Dolph Ziggler's promo were startling. Of course, Ziggler on SmackDown. Putting his career on the line at no mercy certainly makes that match worth having. If his career is not on the line, I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to sit through another Miz Ziggler match. I would love, love to see the Miz beat Dolph Ziggler at that show. And I think he should. You know, I don't think there's, I don't think we can get behind Dolph Ziggler anymore as a character. I don't think it can happen. He's not an underdog. He's not. He's a guy who's gotten beat and gotten beat, and now every promo he does, he gets emotional and upset about not doing well, you know, and and it makes no sense. He went from being the show-off to being Mr. Humility, my career hasn't gone the way I wanted it to go. Well, then why were you showing off that whole time? Take blame for it then. Say, you know what? I screwed up. I was too busy showing off. And I didn't, you know, you gotta, there, there's got to be some resolution to that character, and it's not there right now. I would love to see Dolph Ziggler lose that match. The Miz and Dolph Ziggler's career, which The Miz is on fire right now. Rub it in Daniel Bryan's face that he ended Dolph Ziggler's career. Rub it in the fans' face that he ended Dolph Ziggler's career. And then don't let Ziggler go. Repackage him completely. I mean, Ziggler, Nick Nemeth, whatever you want to do, he needs to come out as something new. Change your tights. Get a little less tan. No more neon. Shave your head. Do something completely different. Blow people's minds. Let Dolph Ziggler be gone, but this new guy come back. Let let Bray Wyatt do like a a, a, a straight edge society type thing without the straight edge. Where he brings you in and shaves your head and you become a soldier for him and blah, blah, blah. Like whatever it is, something's got to give. But I think it's the time for Dolph Ziggler to lose and restructure his entire career. Um, 
obviously John Cena is not going to win the championship at No Mercy. He's going away to film his reality show. But uh, I think that that promo on Talking Smack was a great, great thing to do uh, and a great way to justify the fact that he's leaving. It was a great way to justify the fact that he's leaving and allow everything to move forward properly. And Dean Ambrose, man, Dean Ambrose has a lot to dig himself out of. You now have Stone Cold Steve Austin and John Cena, two of inarguably, inarguably, two of the greatest of all time, are now on television, on the network, saying to the world, Ambrose doesn't have it, and he's still trying to figure it out. That's a lot. I mean, I don't think Dean Ambrose can just keep being the same Dean Ambrose. I think he's got to get serious. I think he's got to change some stuff up. Because right now, you've got the legends letting the world know that he's not there yet. Which is tough love, but we'll see if he comes out of it. The main thing we have to do is find out uh, what Kurt Hawkins' major announcement is. Kurt Hawkins, set to be the greatest superstar in the history of SmackDown. We'll see. I'm very much looking forward to see what his major announcement is. At least it's not another retirement match on the indies. But I want to know. And when he gives the major announcement, hopefully he's doing it while his head is in between his own legs. That's it. And I want to know what kind of funny voice he's going to be doing this announcement in. He does all the voices. All these voices he does. I want to know which one is going to be the one that gives the announcement. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast this week. Uh, It's been super fun. It always is. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram and everywhere, at NotSam. If you're uh, a SiriusXM listener, then uh, keep up. I mean, any day now, a major, major announcement is going to be coming down the pike uh, about my career there and what I'm doing. So uh, stay on the lookout for that, and we'll be back next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.